0: Welcome to the Boss Ladies Podcast. I'm Olivia Wary, and as a young female working in the industry of technology, I'm constantly struggling to find my voice and overcome challenges thrown my way. I've decided to have conversations with Boss Ladies in every industry to hear how they do it. Boss Ladies is intended to inspire women and men of all ages to overcome their fears, explore moonshot thinking, speak up for who they are and what they believe in, and move up in their respective industries. Every day we are faced with challenges, so it is my intention to empower you to get the advice you need by interviewing top executives who have been through it all. On today's episode of Boss Ladies, please welcome Carla Harrison. Carla is an Air Force veteran, a government contractor, and in September, she obtained licensure as a licensed graduate professional counselor in the state of Maryland. To get started, why don't you tell me a little bit about you? You know where you're from, where you went to school, your first job, what you do now, and anything you want people to know about you and sort of how you got to where you are now.
1: I'm a wife of 22 years. I am a mom, a proud mom, actually of two teenage girls. I um, have been in IT for over 20 years, and I'm currently working as a project integrator and I'm also a software applications tester. Some people call it a quality assurance tester. I am the co-founder of Jules Women's Ministry, which is a ministry which helps women to become whole, body, mind, and soul. In May of 2018, I, became, I, got, I obtained my Master's of Arts in Professional Counseling, and in September, I became a licensed graduate professional counselor in the state of Maryland. Um, more importantly, I'm just a woman who desires to live her best life and for it to be just an intentional life, a life with purpose. I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was this hyperactive child with a vibrant personality and a lot of curiosity. I was raised in the generation of children unseen and not heard. It took years for me to understand the power of my voice. After my high school graduation, I attended Towson University. It was called Towson State University back then as a pre-dentistry major. My grades did not reflect my true capability, so I left after freshman year and enlisted in the United States Air Force. When I took the ASVAB test, I almost aced the administrative section. I scored really well in general, and I asked my recruiter about a job in computer science. Instead, he coerced me to sign up for a job in electronics as an avionics communication specialist. I worked on UHF radios, HF radios, and interphone boxes on the KC-135R tanker, which is a refueling aircraft. Wow. It was a male-dominated environment. There were probably five females in the squadron of over a hundred men. That's crazy. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. It was crazy in one sense, but it was such a cool environment because there was just a sense of, you know, when you are military, it's a sense of protection and the sense of a unit. Like there is no I and team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's truly a unit and um, just an amazing um squadron of men. I wanted to be a female who carried her weight, so I proudly told it my toolbox on the flight line. I was able to cl- climb into small holes and corners, and I would fix issues when we were wow. called out for red balls, which are like emergency issues before the plane takes off, you know, or just routine maintenance out there on the flight line. Um, as I said, I worked with an amazing team of men who joked with me. They challenged me and supported me. Um, I spent four years on active duty and two years as a reservist. I got out of active duty in 1990, and I was a reservist up until 1992. In September of 1990, I enrolled in the University of Maryland University College. As a full-time student, my major was computer and information science. And I also accepted a full-time position for a small-time contracting company where I supported the first servicing mission for the Hubble Space Telescope.
0: That is amazing and super impressive. Wow. Wow. <laughs>
1: Thank you. It was, you know, when you're doing the work, you you, you think, okay, this is nice. It's a job. But then when you start seeing it on the news and you see reports, you're like, oh my gosh, like everybody is talking about this. And it was so cool. It really was cool. That is awesome. Yeah. This position started me on a 25-year journey in IT, where I've worked for various government contractors operating in positions that cover every role in the software development lifecycle. Three and a half years ago, I was sitting at work and I realized that if I have to work for 20 more years, I wanted a job that was fulfilling and allowed me to live my life with purpose. And in May, I obtained my master's of arts degree in professional counseling. So I'm really excited that I'm now, you know, a licensed graduate professional counselor, and I do that in the evenings, in addition to working full-time in IT.
0: What made you interested in switching aside from, you know, wanting to explore other interests?
1: I've always been that type of person. Like, even in the Air Force, I was the girl that literally at two in the morning, there would be that knock on the door and there's an issue. I have always been that safe place for people. Mm-hmm. So, I think always just wanting people to be okay, wanting people to know that they're okay, wanting to be um, a safe place. So, it was just a no brainer. I had always, even when I was in school for IT, I would sit in a car with a, this young lady that was in classes with me, and we would talk about. Dreams and my dreams were always being a counselor or helping kids or starting like an orphanage. Like it was always this helpful profession. So it's interesting that even paying money to go to school for one thing, my heart was somewhere else even back then. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, that's exciting that you were able to to find a way, find a path to make that work. Yes.
1: Yes. So, and may I obtain my master's of arts degree in professional counseling and throughout my day, I'm reminded that my work as a mental health advocate and professional is needed like never before. You know, you turn on the news and you look around and you see individuals of all ages hurting and they don't know how to cope or where to turn. So my purpose is to empower, educate, encourage, and enlighten individuals who desire healing change and want to live a better life.
0: I mean, that's amazing. And and definitely, I couldn't agree more. You know, you look at the news and, and there's not enough people out there who either know that they can get help or that, you know, are interested in, and have a mission to help people like that. So that's amazing yeah. and really beautiful.
1: Thank you. And I hope to actually change the face of because there is no look for mental health. It, people look like every, anybody. Right. You know, anyone can right. have a crack. So anyone can have something or trauma that causes them to need to sit down and talk. And it's okay to sit down and, and become vulnerable and talk and find your healing. So, you know, my, my my desire is to change some of the stigmas and to just be a, a really, a really um big proponent and advocate of mental health awareness and just again, people getting what they need.
0: Yeah. Cool. So then after I mean, so now you've you're you're in this amazing career and what's that like for you?
1: It's it's awesome. It's a lot right now because like I said, still working full time in IT. Mm-hmm. And um that that's great and I need to do that for at least probably two more years. I'm not really putting myself on a timeline. I'm at a place where I realize that the universe gives me what I need when I need it. Yeah. So this has been an incredible faith walk because I'm just very cognizant that it's not about me, it's not about my plans, it's about letting the universe open up doors. Just listening for that inner voice that says it's time. So I need, you know, 3000 hours as a licensed graduate professional counselor to apply for my certification as a licensed professional counselor. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm just being patient. I'm taking it client by client. I work, like I said, three nights, three days, seeing clients, just trying to make a difference. And I'm taking my time. Do you do it all in
0: person or do you do any, any of it remotely?
1: Right now I do all in person. We are set up for teletherapy, but a lot of my clients are kids and I prefer to just see their body language and see their expression and they, they like that touch. They like having that time. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy doing that.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like you've had an incredible journey and I'm curious, you know, who has been your role model throughout your journey, either early on in the, in the military or later on, or even right now?
1: My role models were people that I didn't know personally. I, I, I did have some, some of the ladies in my church, which, you know, they were just like, I would see these smart women that went to school and no excuses and did what they were supposed to do to get the good job. Mm-hmm. But in terms of women that I feel like impacted my life as a role model, I'd have to say Maya Angelou was one of my first. I read her book, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Mm-hmm. And at the age of eight, she was traumatized with sexual abuse and she lost her voice. Five years later, she got her voice back. That same voice went on to sing, read poetry, read Read poetry she had written, and act, and just become an advocate, a civil rights advocate. Her story taught me that even when we go through things that want to destroy us, we're stronger than we think, and we're resilient. Oprah Winfrey taught me that girls that look like me don't have to set limitations on themselves, and that we deserve to dream big. She broke all kinds of barriers and ceilings using her intelligence, her voice, and her generous heart. So for me, that was just important to understand: like we that we can dream so big, and we can have the best life possible and there are no excuses. Just go for it. And then I would have to say Michelle Obama. I remember the first article that I read that described her struggles as a working mom. And at the time I was raising two young daughters who were like um, a little bit younger than her daughters are. And I felt like I was failing in so many areas. It was the first time that I heard a woman admit that she struggled in motherhood and she explained how she unapologetically made adjustments needed to find her balance. You know, I had seen so many moms who were trying to be superwoman And instead of supporting each other, they kind of look down on women who didn't have it all together. So ever since that article, I've been proud and amazed at how she's managed to raise healthy girls. And I realized that it's possible. Like you can do the workout, you can have the job, you can have the children, you don't set those limitations again, limitations on yourself, you know, and if she did it while balancing all the roles that she had, I know that I too can do it. So it was just, it was just really great for me to have those type of role models that were there that I could see um, how they were resilient and strong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's awesome that, that you've had those role models and can continue to have those role models. And it's awesome that they're role models that we can all, you know, look to for inspiration as well. So I think that's awesome. And then, you know, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about maybe some direct mentors you had and, and people maybe you worked a little bit more closely with.
1: Yes. My grandmother. My grandmother was very wise. She was very funny. She was special. My grandmother was just that type of woman that any child in the church, any child in the neighborhood became her grandchild. She was hardworking. She was a woman of integrity. My mom taught me about the gift of friendship and love. Um, She was a singer. And I think it's so cool. When I was a baby, she actually gave me a theme song. Like She has a song that is specifically for me. So it's really, really cool. That's awesome. It is, it is. And, and it's funny because, you know, she doesn't do it as much now. And when I when I turned forty, I don't know who told them that she had this song and they had her singing and I'm sitting there crying and everyone's beaming like, Wow, you had a theme song. <laughs> so it's really
0: cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Really I love cool. that.
1: Yes. And then my mom's oldest sister, my Aunt Brunelle, she was an example of a strong, fierce woman. She raised three children by herself and she helped my mom with me when um I was two and we moved in with her in New York up until I was eight. You know, our house was filled with love, protection, fun, laughter. It was just a beautiful place. Like there was never a time if she cooked dinner that we couldn't pull up a table. I mean, pull up a chair and an extra plate and feed someone that stopped by. And it was just a gracious way of just loving on people. And she was just a really great example and a mentor. And then during my teen years, I had two mentors, Carlton and Denise. And they were very instrumental um, during my formative years. They they made they kept a safe place for us as teenagers. Um, Carlton, actually, um, he passed about three or four years ago. Oh, and sorry. we called ourselves Carlton's kids. Thank you. Thank you. And just to be safe around a male role model, just to be... This man was a single man, and we were a part of his Sunday school class. He went out and bought a station wagon so that he could take us all to movies and places he wanted to go. And museums and we could just have fun and he would drive us all home and we would be safe. And I mean, to me, that says a lot when you have a single man that's dating and he's in a station wagon because he wants to make sure his kids are taken care of and had a way to get home late at night. And how did you know him? Um, He was actually, we all went to church together when I was younger. Okay. Gotcha.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yes. And then, so what advice do you feel like these mentors gave you that sort of helped you get where you are now? I mean, it must have taken a lot of courage to go through, like, again, the military. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, there are, there are certain, I don't want to say slogans, but there are certain sayings that my, my, my grandmother, I know my grandmother used to always say, there are enough ways in this world for everyone to have their own. And I didn't get it as a child. But now that I'm an adult, I live by that. People are different. And it is so okay for us to be different for us to have different views, different opinions. It is what makes this world a better place. So I realized that not everyone is going to act like me, and I don't want everyone to act like me. There are enough ways in this world for everyone to have their own. And if we can do it respectfully with with compassion and concern, it it just makes it a richer environment. My mom used to tell me, the people that you do for in life are not the people who will necessarily do for you. And as a kid, sometimes when you're trying to learn these rules of friendship and you do certain things. You expect people to treat you that same way that you treat them. And that's not always the case. So it taught me to kind of check myself and not have an attitude and to make sure that anything that I did came from a pure and authentic intention. And then that way, no matter what, I always did what I felt led to do. I followed my own bliss. And that way, I wasn't upset or, you know, upset or angry with whatever my outcome might be from the other person. Do with, your, with a good heart, with an, you know, with a pure heart
0: yeah I think that that's really valuable. And I think that more people need to to listen and 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 practice that because it's a tough world out there, and you gotta yeah. you gotta focus on doing what's best for you and and being a good person for you and not.
1: Yes, yeah. And even if you have been supportive for someone and that person can't give it back to you, you're gonna still get what you need. And it might come from someone that you least expect. Mm-hmm. You know, so then I found that sometimes it might be someone I'm not as close to. That might give me that call or that support that I need. And I'm just like, hey, I get what I need. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come in the package I expect it to, but I get what I need and I have to trust that that's going to happen and it's okay. And then I also have an incredible, I call them my incredible flock. I have uh, my girlfriends and my gratitude sisters. And one lesson that they, I believe, got from Abraham Hicks, Law of Attraction teaching is mind your own business. And the first time I heard it, I kind of was put off like, what do you mean, you know, mind my own business? <laughs> there are so many things in her life that we pay attention to that really aren't our business. And if we focus on the things that we can control and that we are responsible for, which is our, us, my my person, Carla. And I stopped worrying about why this person is not doing this and why this person is not responding this way. And I mind my business. It has been so freeing. It has lightened my load. It has been so rewarding. So to me, that's like probably one of the best Pieces of advice that I've received in the past, probably five to ten years, is just to mind my own business. Yeah, I think I need to practice that one a little bit more too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been cool. I have one mentor who is more of a spiritual mentor. She, um, as I mentioned earlier, we co-founded Jules Women's Ministries together. I met her at work. At work, she started a Bible study, which led to the ministry, but. From her, I really learned to trust myself, to trust my voice. When I met her, I was scared to speak in public. Like, I'm I'm this super extroverted person, but I just didn't really like public speaking. And she really challenged me to own my gifts, own my talents, own just what's put inside of me and to be um, just a voice piece for, for truth and what's good and, you know, just to inspire other people, to inspire and encourage women. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity to, one, like I said, meet her in the workplace where she just really was a woman of um, great character and she was one of my teammates. And then going into this partnership in ministry together, it has just really been a phenomenal partnership. And then as a counselor, I have the most amazing supervisor, manager at the counseling agency where I work, and her name is Sabrina. I met her while I was in school as a practicum And an intern for her practice. And she's hired me on as an independent contractor. And she pushes me to limits that I sometimes even doubt myself being a new counselor. And and it's just so amazing when someone trusts you with their business and they trust you with their clients. But she pours into me. She gives me tough, you know, tough lessons. She gives me good feedback, but she compliments me. She she says, you know, this was good or okay. Look at you over there sounding like a counselor. And we, you know, we laugh. But it's just, it's been wonderful these past two years working with her.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. To jump topics a little bit, you know, I'm curious to hear what do you think that men can be doing to be better allies? I mean, you've worked with a lot of men and you know firsthand what it's like working with men. And I'm curious yeah. if you think that there's any strategies or anything they can be doing to just be better allies for women.
1: The, as I said, it started for me in the air force where the gentlemen in my squad, we were in dorms by yours, the squadron. So people that worked in one squadron, we all lived in the same hallway. We lived in the same dorm, all male squadron, pretty much except for us five girls. And they were so respectful Of us, they were very protective. We were young girls back then. They were very protective of us, but the respect that they showed us and the the brotherhood—they they they treated us like family, and they treated me like I was a sister. And I feel that for them to be better allies, if they could show respect, compassion, and empathy, the old saying, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Every man was birthed by a mother, you know. Most men have sisters and aunt or female cousins. So, you know, as they're thinking about a situation that they may can't relate to. If they could ask themselves, what type of world would I want my daughter to grow up in? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, is this a situation I would want my daughter, my sister, my mom to have to experience? If not, they should be willing to fight for the changes needed to create that world or that situation. And, and, And it's not that people don't care. I think it's sometimes that people just can't relate. We don't sometimes understand something that's outside of our block, our neighborhood, our world. Mm -hmm. So if we just pause and not try to judge based on our experiences, but say, let me see this from a different perspective. How would I want a woman that I care about to be treated? And if what I'm seeing presented or what I'm seeing men do is not that, then how do I help these men to understand as a man? You know what? Let's show these women some respect. Let's show them compassion and empathy and just be kind.
0: Yeah. I think that that's, that's a really great way of putting it. And that's, I, I haven't heard that answer before and I really like it. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, to keep going along this idea of, you know, giving, giving advice and, and sort of thinking about challenges that maybe you faced in your life and, and maybe any advice like you'd want to pass on to others who might be fighting battles or facing challenges that you've already won or you've already overcome.
1: I recently um, facilitated a session at a women's conference and I thought about this question and I felt that I wanted to kind of share some of the um, topics that I talked about then. Yeah, please do. (laughs) In life, I think a lot of times we have blind spots, which are things that we can work on for ourselves. And then sometimes we're blindsided by life, which is other people's actions can affect us that we don't see coming. To win a lot of the battles, I think first we have to address our blind spots. And by doing that, um, I, you know, when you're driving a car and you have a blind spot, the first thing you do is you look again before you pull out into a lane, before you do anything sudden, you look again. So when you think of again, I, I made up like a little um, acronym for it, and it's alignment. Be in, be in alignment with whatever your source is. If you're spiritual and you believe in God or you believe in Allah, whoever you believe, be in alignment with your source energy. Show gratitude. I'm a part of a group of women that are, we call ourselves gratitude sisters and we send emails of, of daily gratitude. Every situation we can find a plus and a positive. We have to change our perspective. So when things don't seem like they're going right, find that one thing that does make you smile. Find that one little little nugget of goodness in the day, even on a day where people might be getting on our nerves or the project's not working like we want it to or the co-workers are not responding to the emails or to what we're asking them to do find something positive be grateful adjust be wanting to adjust when we're when we're working with personalities and people and relationships sometimes there's a need to adjust our mindset our beliefs something about us that we can adjust just to make the situation flow better to release the tension and just kind of you can have a little torque. And it makes a big difference when you're getting something um, adjusted on a car, and a person, whatever. Introspection, finding time to always say, how am I doing? Congratulating ourselves for our successes. This was good. This I can improve on. And that's something that just has to be done throughout life is introspection. And then we have to nurture ourselves. A lot of times we work hard, but we don't play hard. We don't rest hard. We don't do self-care. So I just believe alignment, gratitude, adjustment, introspection, and nurturing, it kind of helps us just kind of refocus, look at things a little differently, don't take ourselves so seriously while still taking ourselves seriously, and giving ourselves a path.
0: Yeah, I think that's amazing. That's
1: a lot. And that's really great. (laughs) I'm just like internalizing everything you're saying
0: right now, trying (laughs) trying to focus more on how I can do a lot of those things. But I would love to hear about a time you can share that you feel you overcame you know, a, a challenge in your career.
1: The first time that I, it was brought to my attention that I was different. I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. So like I told you, when I went to the Air Force, I was there were only five females in my squadron. However, when I was in specialty training for Avionics Communications, I was actually the only African-American and the only female in my class. It was like 13 of us. Wow. On the first day of my class... Again, I walk into the classroom, and I'm really not aware that I'm different. And a young man from Louisiana, he went over to the safety board, and he took a rope off. He made a noose, and then he looked at me and said, where I come from, they hang people with these. And I looked at him, and I said, well, we're not where you came from, so you should put that rope back on the board. Wow, that's amazing. You even
0: had the courage to respond that in the moment.
1: Oh, my gosh. I was scared out of my mind. Like, when I tell you, it threw me off. Yeah, yeah. But I refused to be, to show him that I was intimidated. Yeah. So the rest of my classmates chastised him. They were like, God, what are you doing, dude? You know, because none of us really knew each other. There were so many people in basic electronics. And then you go through like three months of basic electronics and then they split you up by your job. And then you go into like a smaller class. So you've been in a class of, like maybe 20, 30 people. So now it's a smaller class because it's specific to your job. So none of like, I don't think any of them were in basic electronics with him. So we were all new. as the first day. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, they're like, God, don't do that. That's not cool. And um, he never bothered me again, but I found my voice that day. You know, like I said, when I was little, as children are seen and not heard, you know, you don't always say what you feel. You got to be, you know, try to be so nice. And for me, I found my voice and I realized that there are some things that I'm willing to tolerate, but there are some things that are not acceptable. Yeah. And I spent the next three and a half years, again, as the only African-American female in my workspace. Once I got to my permanent party, there was no one that looked like me. There was no one that talked like me. But still I gave respect and I was respected. You know, I carried my own weight. I never used the fact that I was female to get out of doing my job. And the men in my squadron, like I told you earlier, they became my brothers, they protected me, looked out for me, and we were family. So I also didn't let that one little negative experience with one man cause me to think that everyone that looked like him was gonna treat me the same way. So I was still very true to who I am. I'm very much, you know, this fun person. I'm, you know, I do, you know, I talk a lot, I have fun with people. But I believe that everyone deserves to be treated as they are, and I need to establish relationships with individuals. And I and I did that, and I and I just had a wonderful time in permanent party with the guys in the squadron.
0: Yeah, I think that's really a really important point because I think it's easy. In the same way we feel people do this to us to to have one bad experience with someone and feel that that bad experience could easily happen again with someone like them. And you get fearful because of it. And it's important to not let that one bad experience sort of influence more of your experiences that could be really positive with other people.
1: Right. Because if I had come in there guarded and with an attitude, I would have missed out on some wonderful memories. I would have missed out on um, just great relationships. Uh, When I I got there the same day as another young lady and we were sweet mates. And I remember the first time we went to a carnival with these guys, there was a guy named Norm and um, he and Steve took us to this carnival. And you know how you ha- at the carnival, when you see the big dog, mm-hmm. you have to win a whole bunch of little dogs to win that big dog. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to, like, shoot the- well, they had the big, big dog. And Shelly and I really wanted the big, big dog. And I have no idea how much money Norm spent, but all I know is that we both came back to the dorms with great big dogs. And we were so, so happy. The dog was almost as big as we were. We were so small back then. But that look on his face when he got that second one and handed him was like, I'm not leaving here till both of my girls have a dog. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this is like the coolest thing. We, you know, we have pictures of them on Facebook, but <laughs> you know, I would have missed out on some great relationships if I had allowed one negative experience to kind of jade me, you know? Yeah. And then um, also I worked in an environment where I was um, bullied by my manager and it was really hard because when I first came in, she was very nice and she was fun and we would go to lunch together. And I came back, my brother-in-law was killed in a car accident. And when I came back from his funeral, it was like she turned on me and I had no idea what I had done wrong.
0: Wow. I'm so sorry. That's the worst time someone could
1: possibly turn on you. (laughs) Thank you. And I mean, she was like, what do you need? What do you, what, you know, you have everything and I'm calling her and we're cool. But then when I came back, it was like, what just happened? And she had a lot of influence, I will say. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the other females in the office were a little nervous about that. So they all kind of were like, we don't know if we should talk to Carla or not. And it just became a thing where I, I had heard people talk about things before being bullied. And I'm like, oh, it's work. You can go home to your family. What's the problem? But when you're in the middle of a situation where someone does not talk to you, someone does not respond to you, if the if my government manager said I did a good job, she would say, well, what did you do? Why is she telling me how good you you did? and i'm thinking but you're my manager so when i look good you look good yeah and it, and it like literally i could not figure it out and i was like did i you know i, I am a um confrontational person if i feel like it's going to make the situation better so i'll come to you and say you know i've noticed that something's a little different in our relationship did i say something to offend you did i do something was my work not up to par and she's like oh no you're fine you're a nice lady what 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 do you mean and it's like you're okay, like you mean what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> right, right, And during that time, I had to learn how to depend on myself. I had to listen to you know, positive messages on the way to work. I had to learn actually to pray. I would actually pray for her. Like I don't know what she's going through. I don't know why she treats people like this. And it's funny because, you know, I finally realized I don't deserve to be treated like this. It's time to find a new job, But I found out I was stronger than I realized. I found out that things don't destroy me. You can go through adversity. It doesn't destroy you that you can still be kind to people that are not being nice to you, but you know, still have respect for yourself. And the importance of having an ally at work that you, that you can say, before I go off on these people, can we go walk around the corner? Because that wouldn't have been cool for me to lash back out per se. So I learned self-control. Like my job is more important than saving my little ego right now. You're not gonna have me telling you all. Because one girl, actually I found out like later, this one young lady was in the office and I noticed she talked to me, but no one else and I never knew why. Well, they were doing the same thing to her. No way. And when she left, I became the next target. And I didn't find this out for like a year or two because then I started hearing that this story was common with this lady. She would go on different projects and she would find that one female and she would bully her.
0: You know, it's funny in one of my earlier episodes I spoke with Jen Hensley and she said, you know, there are two kinds of women. There are those who are competitive and want the women around them not to succeed, and those who want the women around them to succeed and are trying to lift women up. And it's unfortunate when you hear the former because you obviously want everyone to be the latter. You know, that's what Jen Hensley said and and I couldn't agree more.
1: Yes. And you know, that, that that is really powerful what she said. And it just makes me reflect on the situation that I was in. The, there was a female bullying me, but when I mentioned my ally at work, it was actually a male, and he would, um, as I said, he would, you know, uh, walk me around the building, allow me to kind of get it out. Then when I would come home, my husband would let me vent, and he would let me get it out. So here I was being bullied by a woman, but I had these two rocks—one at work, one at home—that didn't try to fix the problem, and, and and which is which is unique for most men. But actually allowed me to kind of just vent get it out so that I didn't try to react when I got back to work. And I don't know how I would have gotten through that without those two guys. They're like really giving me the support that I needed. So when you said earlier, like what things can men do, sometimes it's just being a good listener. So I was really grateful to both of them for allowing me to just talk, get it out, process it so that I didn't react in a way that could have affected me and messed up my career.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm curious about a challenge that you face that maybe you wish you had handled differently. I know obviously we all have regrets in life and we don't have to go through the the list of those you might have, but I'm just curious about one that you, you, you know, hindsight's 2020. you, you feel like you see it differently now and maybe would have handled it differently.
1: You know what? I don't know if there was a specific challenge as much as me being challenged by a pattern in my own mindset. When I was younger, I was I was ADHD, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was thirty. Wow! And before being diagnosed, I felt inadequate, unworthy, and incompetent. Um, I still performed. I was actually a really good student, honor roll student, National Honor Society. You know, I did really well. But because I was trying to overcome and overcompensate for my perceived shortcomings. I spent a lot of time criticizing myself and not enough time celebrating my wins. So, you know, there's a fine line between confidence and conceitedness, and I didn't want to cross it, but I wish I had known then that you can speak positive affirmations. It's okay to say, I did good. I won this. I got this. I'm cute today. Whatever it is, it's really okay to celebrate yourself. And a lot of times when you see that, when people see a female that is sure of herself, they treat her like there's something wrong with her, like it's negative. Yeah. And I think it's okay for you. You know, you being great doesn't mean someone else is not great. I have a friend, Tanisha. And and one thing I love is Tanisha will let you know that she's she's good, but she lets you know because I'm good, you can be good too. And I've learned that, you know, as women, a lot of times we don't give each other that, no girl, t- you look good today. You're great. You're successful. You're, you're you know, giving ourselves that empowerment. And that it's not conceited. It's not arrogant. Sometimes it's you really are good at what you do. And it's okay to know that you're good at what you do. So for me, I think my biggest challenges came because my mindset was challenged. I didn't know how to show that I didn't know how to give myself permission to celebrate myself.
0: Yeah. Well, since we're on the topic of celebrating yourself, can you tell me about your greatest <laughs> accomplishment in
1: your career or in life? Sure. <laughs> i say my greatest accomplishment are my two baby girls, but um, no. One of my greatest accomplishments was the early nineties. I was blessed to work as a contractor for NASA and I supported the first service and mission for the Hubble Space Telescope. And again, it was in 1993 and it was I'm sorry 1993 and it was fixing the optics of the Hubble's primary mirror and it and also installing new software and hardware. And I just still remember the excitement of supporting a mission that important, just the energy of all the people like I uh, what I did was my project we were replacing the 286 computer which was on board. And what's funny is it takes so long for this mission to get planned. That by the time we put the 386 on board, people had 486s at their desk on, at home. Um, so it was kind of <laughs> a joke, like it's already outdated with software changing every 18 months. By the time we get this up there, it's going to be outdated, but it was so cool. And to just be a part of this phenomenal team. That is it was so, so cool. cool. Like we had astronauts that would come by and we had pictures with various astronauts and just really cool work. And back then, fax, the fax machine had just really come out. And on the final night of, of the, um, the mission, they sent back these colored fax images to NASA, and I still had them. And when I say we were just amazed at technology, we were proud of the work, proud of the um, teamwork that went into it. So it was just really amazing. And also, I've been fortunate to work on software development teams that create really great software applications. And one of my greatest accomplishments came at a cost. I was the only test on an application that ran on multiple platforms, and we had over 10 developers. And I was having a challenging day one day, and my team lead said to me, "Little, he used to called me Little Carla. He said, Little Carla, he said, I need you to understand something. He said, all my developers work on a small portion of this application, but you're testing the whole application. So at the end of this, you're going to know this system better than they do. He said, so you'd be encouraged because when you tell a, de- a, a developer that their code is broke, it's like you said, their child is ugly. Like they would get serious attitudes. <laughs> and I would tell him, I didn't say your baby's ugly. I said, your code is broke. So just fix the code and give it back to me, you know? <laughs> you know, he told me this and I said, okay. And then I, you know, established rapport with the, with the developers. And about a year later, okay, so as we're preparing for the deployment a year later, I'm working with him on the training plan for the help desk personnel, We're training users. We're coming up with training documentation for the users, um, configuration plans for the servers and the application. And a a few months before we were scheduled to deploy, he passed of a heart attack. Like he was 35 years old. (gasps) Yeah. And I remember um, the night when it it snowed, it was like a Tuesday and it snowed. And people were told that the government was closing out early to go home. Well, when I was going to try to go to my car, people were like, you can't get out the parking lot. It's taking people hours to get out the parking lot. So I came back to work and he came back to work and we were trying to get ready for this one um, database that we had to configure to get things to work. And I always took notes and he would kind of laugh at me like, oh yeah, you got to take your notes. And on this day, he looked at me and he said, I need you to take notes. And I was cracking a joke and he said, I need you to take these notes. And I took these notes. The next day I didn't come to work because it snowed so bad and, and everybody called out and I heard he came to work. And he told one of our coworkers, he said, you know, I, I think I might have pneumonia because I'm, I'm really breathing hard going up and down the stairs. I'm going to go to the doctor. And he did. And the doctor was closed and he went home and he passed in his sleep. So, of course, getting that news was beyond devastating. That was one of the most painful days of my life. But over the next few weeks, his words rang true. I was the only person on that team who knew the customers. I knew where the servers were located. I knew who the customer support personnel were. Everything that he would train me on, like I said, I had written it down and he had everything was in his head. So what they had was my notes. You know, we didn't know that my notebooks were going to be what we needed to help us deploy the application and that I was kind of that person that they would come to. Like, do you know who this person is? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's down the hall. Let me show you. you. And they were like, oh, my God, you were his shadow. And I said I was his shadow. And even that last day when he said, I need you to write this down. The thing that he had us configuring, it would have taken weeks for us to figure out how to run it because it was something so simple. But if it wasn't written down, you would have known that that value was important. And I had what we needed. And when it came time for us to deploy, we had a successful deployment. And the developers, like, they would normally get bonuses, but testers never got bonuses. And my one of the lead developers said, we don't normally give testers bonuses. But I told them, we couldn't have done this without you. And I was, like, so grateful. Aww. But it was it was a painful moment but because of him he prepared me for you know he passed the torch and really prepared me to help get that app out yeah wow that's a very powerful story oh, thank you it was it was interesting yeah
0: yeah no it definitely um and i'm so sorry he passed but you know it seems like you were able to like you said carry the torch and and continue to work with what he had taught yeah. you so it seems like
1: yeah And then finally, I would say one of the accomplishments that I'm most proud of is graduating last May um, with my degree in professional counseling because it's like things came back full circle. Like I told you earlier, I used to dream about being a counselor and talk in my car while I was in school for IT about being a counselor. And then to finally cross that bridge and walk across that stage and get licensed in September, it was like, yes, I am where I'm supposed to be. So
0: then I guess my last question is, you know, what advice would you give young women and men who are just starting their careers?
1: I would tell them to um, know that you're enough and you're worthy. Too many people are aiming perf- for perfection and it comes with a high cost. So forgive yourself when you fail and encourage yourself to get back up. I would tell them, you know, say please and thank you. Character is what we project and um, what we attract. You know, who are you when no one's watching? Who are you when you don't get what you want? And who are you when people don't meet your expectations? You know, your character, you know, your your, your knowledge can take you so far. Your character has to sustain, sustain you. Get a mentor. You know, if one is not assigned to you, then find someone that you, you know, if you see someone that's in the field that's accomplished a goal similar to your own or the ones that you want to, you know, watch them, talk to them, study them, you know, and then once you've mastered a skill, teach someone else the job so that you're free to move up in your field. A lot of times people hang on to a job for job security where the truth of the matter is if you're good at what you do, you already are secure because you will have jobs that will open up for you because you do what you do. I'm a tester, but I've done requirements. I've done um, system engineering work, system integrating work. I've been on projects where my test job ended, but because I was willing to learn other jobs, they would move me to another position. And then when the test job, when it came back time and the finances were in alignment for testing, they would move me back to the test slot. So don't be afraid to try new things and take on responsibilities. Don't limit yourself or keep yourself in a box and then work hard, play hard and get your self-care.
0: I think those are all really, really valuable and important lessons. So thank you. My last thing is, do you have any questions for me or is there anything I haven't covered that you want to cover?
1: I don't think so much a question as a comment. I just appreciate what you're doing. I think this is amazing. And I wish there was something out there like this for me 20, 25 years ago when I started. I think it's great and that many young ladies and young men and older ladies and older men will be um, blessed by it. So thank you for your vision.
0: And thank you so much for taking the time to really share your story and and share your advice and your wisdom and your experiences and what you've learned because, you know, that. Uh, you know, I'm eternally grateful. And I know anyone listening to this is as well because I mean, everything you've said today is really awesome and valuable. So thank you. No, thank you, Olivia. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today, Carla. Check back soon for another episode of Boss
1: Ladies.